It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, April 6th. I'm Kevin Farrell, in for Desiree Frazier, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, health professionals offer free screenings for oral, throat, and head cancers. Then dollar stores now outnumber Starbucks and Walmart combined, and they're especially popular in the small towns. The Gulf States newsroom goes on a road trip to explain what's behind the spread. Plus, reflecting on more than three decades in the state legislature with Alice Clark. From MPB Think Radio, this is Mississippi Edition on Think Radio. According to the Journal of American Medical Association, 46,000 new cases of head, neck, and mouth cancer are diagnosed every year. These cancers are the fifth most common types in the nation, and experts say Mississippians are at a greater risk because of the state's high tobacco use. To raise awareness, the University of Mississippi Medical Center hosted a free screening clinic in Jackson on Wednesday. That's where our Kobe Vance talked with Dr. Ann Kane, a head and neck surgeon at the medical center. There aren't really screening guidelines within the medical field for oral cavity, oral pharyngeal cancers. However, we do recommend that when patients go to see their dentist, uh, typically we recommend every six months, uh, that they will get an oral cavity cancer screening during their dental exams. What are we all looking for in these exams? Yeah, so um, our patients are filling out uh, forms at first just to see if they have any symptoms such as oral ulcers, neck masses, any difficulty swallowing or throat pain, uh, because if any of those is present for more than two to three weeks in an adult, particularly anybody over 50, that could be a warning sign of having a oral cavity or oral pharyngeal cancer. And so what we're doing is it's a non-invasive exam. We're just taking a good look in the mouth and in the throat and uh, palpating the neck for any potential masses. If y'all were to find something that might be abnormal, what would y'all be, what would be the next process? Yeah, absolutely. So if we find anything abnormal on our screening today, depending on what it is, we'll either recommend that the patient get set up with a primary care provider, a dental care provider, or an ENT for further evaluation. What are some of the things that might lead to these type of cancers? Sure. So the biggest thing that causes oral cavity cancers is actually tobacco use. Um, so Mississippi still has a very high rate of smoking, uh, despite its decline over the last several decades. So um, that is definitely the most uh, prevalent risk factor. And then alcohol use can contribute as well. Um, the other thing that's contributing greatly to oropharynx cancers, which are in the back of the mouth or uh, the upper part of the throat and the tonsils or the back of the tongue, is the human papillomavirus. Why are y'all holding this kind of event uh, over this 
to try to reach out with community members? Yeah, so we definitely want to raise awareness about these types of cancers because as you know, with any kind of cancer, uh, any kind of early screening and early diagnosis is gonna to lead to better survival in these patients. If someone is diagnosed, um, how severe are these type of cancers? Sure, um, so it really honestly depends on the stage. Um, and it depends on the location as well. Um, so for early oral cavity cancers, the survival is actually very good. If you're diagnosed with a stage one cancer, it's closer to 90%. Um, for HPV cancers of the throat, um, the overall survival for those is actually better than other types of cancer in the head and neck area. The overall survival for those is 85 to 90%. As you can imagine, when you have a later stage cancer, that survival starts to uh, decline. And so for our later stage cancers, particularly in the oral cavity, it's going to be somewhere between 60 and 70% over a five-year period. If someone were to find a lump on their neck or, you know, have trouble swallowing in, a, in some other ways, how concerned should they be to go get screened for these type of cancers? Sure. So I would say that if you have a mass in your neck, um, particularly in an area that could be in an enlarged lymph node, and it's present for more than two to three weeks, you should certainly go and see a primary care provider um, so that they can do further workup, which potentially includes imaging or a biopsy. The other thing that I think is very important to highlight is that we're seeing a rise in HPV-related throat cancers, particularly in men. And so um, anyone that has a neck mask that has been there for a couple weeks certainly needs to get checked out. But the other thing with these HPV-related cancers is that for our younger patients, they should get vaccinated for HPV if they are eligible so in order to prevent these cancers. Dr. Ann Kane is a head and neck surgeon at UMMC. In 2019, the CDC reported five, 459 cases of oral cavity and pharynx cancers. That's a rate of about 12 per 100,000 people. Kimberly Funches of Jackson participated in the free clinic. Why not? Healthcare in Mississippi, you know, we're, we're first of the worst, as they say. We're always last. And it's really important that when um, healthcare providers have screenings that, that we take advantage of those things. And I thought, why not? What was it like? It was super simple, super easy, and the physician that did my screen screening was extremely informative. I found out some things about uh, ear, nose, that related to the cancer screening I had not been aware of previously. What are your thoughts on being able to come out and get this kind of cancer screening for free? I think it's awesome. Again, like I said earlier, everybody should come out. If you have the time or the availability, it's, an, it's, it's fantastic to know um, your numbers, and it's fantastic to know whether or not you can um, be pre-diagnosed for something um, and, and take care of it. Again, experts remind us that some of the main risk factors for oral head and neck cancers are tobacco use, excessive alcohol consumption, and HPV infections. Coming up, the Gulf States newsroom goes on a road trip to explain what's behind the growing number of dollar stores. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. 
The MPB Public Media app just got an update. It's now easier than ever to interact with your favorite MPB local shows and experts. With the brand new Talk to Us feature, you can engage with your favorite MPB local shows anytime, day or night, directly through the app. Simply select Talk to Us from the MPB Public Media app's menu. There, you can leave a question, share show ideas, or simply just say hello. With the new Talk to Us feature, you have access to your favorite MPB local shows and experts anytime you want to talk. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell. Forget I Spy. There's a new road trip game in town, counting dollar stores. And it's not hard. Dollar General opens about three new stores a day. Add in the other major dollar store brands, and in the U.S., they outnumber both Starbucks and Walmart combined. Stephen Basaha of the Gulf States Newsroom plays the game and explains what's behind the dollar store takeover. Here are the ground rules. Every Dollar General on the drive from the Mississippi border to Birmingham, Alabama, gives a point to my editor and co-pilot, Rasha McChesney. Yes, Dollar General. One for me for any family dollar or Dollar Tree. Sounds like cheating, but we're counting it because they're the same company. Dollar Tree. Uh... A big factor in the dollar store wave is that they're willing to open up in small towns where no one else will. Like in our starting place, York, Alabama a small black belt town where April Russell lives. Well, to me, dollar stores are the bread and butter of small towns because we don't have Walmart here. So everything you need is at the dollar stores here. Now, like a lot of small rural towns, York doesn't have a grocery store. It's just hard to stay open in the place with so few customers. The grocery store lasted maybe four months, and we still had the dollar stores here. Notice she said dollar stores. York's a town of 2,400 people that can't support a grocery store, but can support two dollar stores. And this is something we kept seeing. Small towns with not one, but two dollar stores, sometimes back to back. Dollar General. And a family dollar right behind it. So how can multiple dollar stores afford to open where no one else can? Maybe it's because Dollar General is planning on breaking into small town healthcare and even banking. Could be because it sells customer data. All those things you mentioned are potential upside. Brian Yarborough follows Dollar General for Edward Jones, and he says I'm basically overthinking it. They're launching into more rural environments because the returns are great. Yarborough says Dollar General makes a roughly 20% return on a new store, which is just really good. They know the best return on their capital is adding more stores. But that doesn't fully explain why there are so... Dollar General coming in clutch. Many... Family dollar! Dollar stores. Family dollar! Take the lead! (sighs) Well, part of the answer comes down to Dollar General being the invading force in a dollar store war. Absolutely, Dollar General is going for the attack on family dollar. Karen Short tracks dollar stores for Credit Suisse. She says Dollar General is just the better-run store top to bottom, so it's aggressively pushing in on Family Dollar's turf. They don't have a problem opening up a better, newer store that's run in a much more efficient way with better product and better service and better employee morale. Okay, that might sound harsh, but Brian Yarborough agrees. And adds that Dollar Tree's also been dragged down ever since it bought Family Dollar in 2015. Dollar Tree has been so wrapped up in realizing what they got when they bought Family Dollar. I think they got something a lot worse than they thought. Now, Dollar Tree sent us a statement saying the vast majority of its customers, 95%, give their stores high marks. But look, 
none of these brands are boutique shopping experiences, Dollar General included. To keep the prices so low, the stores offer little to no fresh produce and hire few workers to keep the aisles cleared of boxes. Dollar General points out that it's not a grocery store, but does still offer things like frozen veggies and canned fruit. And here's the other thing. We are nowhere near peak dollar store numbers, at least if you believe Dollar General CEO Jeff Owen during their December earnings call. You know, in the U.S. alone, we have 16,000 additional opportunities, and uh, we feel great about our ability to capture those. That's 16,000 more stores, which includes some other types of businesses, but it still plans for more than 10,000 new Dollar Generals across the country. Add in Dollar Tree's even more optimistic belief in the room for its stores, and we're talking about doubling the number of dollar stores in the United States. Stepping back, you can probably uh, hear in my excitement about the real estate and, and our ability uh, to continue to grow here. In 600 feet, turn right on. When my road trip buddy Rasha McChesney and I made it to Birmingham, we were tied 15 to 15, one dollar store for every four miles we drove. But we refused to end it like that. 745 at night on a Friday. <laughs> Stephen Basaka and I are desperate to find a dollar store. We so we decide first one to spot their store wins. Wandering Birmingham streets, we drive up a hill and from that high ground. Oh, wait, wait. We see something we did not plan for. That's a family That's dollar. A family dollar. <laughs> and a dollar general right past it. Right across the street. Hold on. What is this? Two dollar stores right near each other. A site that, with the dollar store expansion continuing, is only going to get more common. For the Gulf States Newsroom, I'm Stephen Basaha. Do we have to keep going? I don't know. We're still tied. Oh, oh my God. The Gulf States Newsroom is a collaboration between Mississippi Public Broadcasting and public media stations in Louisiana and Alabama. Coming up, reflecting on more than three decades in the state legislature with Alice Clark. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Do you drive a vehicle? Then you'll find AutoCorrect helpful, especially on Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Listen to our podcast with me, Coach Charlie Melton, on any podcasting platform or on the MPB Public Media app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell. One of Mississippi's longest-serving lawmakers is walking away after nearly 40 years of service. When the legislative session closed during the weekend, it was the last for Representative Alice Clark of Jackson. When she took office in 1985, Clark became the first black woman to serve in the Mississippi House of Representatives. As the session drew to a close, she sat down with our Kobe Vance to reflect on her more than three decades as a member of the House, beginning with that pivotal moment. I had no idea that um, people would be as excited about a woman of color finally getting to the House. But I guess what meant so much to me when I found out how much it meant to young women to see somebody of color in the House And there's one lady who works at the Capitol now. She says that she was in grade school, but she'll always remember how much it meant to her seeing somebody of a color walking into the house 
and take making bills and doing things as the others were doing. She said, she, I always looked forward to seeing what she was going to wear, what she was going to say, and especially what kind of ear clips she was going to be wearing. What did it take to break down that barrier to be the first black woman elected? Well, it's kind of difficult to say what it took to break it down because I, it was sort of like a novelty. It appears that they looked at me at somebody, I guess somebody they just didn't expect to be here. But they were all always very nice, very courteous. I can always say they've always been that. But I guess I always knew that I was different in some way. When I got here, there were two other women in the legislature. And I did see from time to time a difference in their assignments that we would get and that kind of thing. But I guess the real shocker came one legislator from down on the coast was elected, and the, the porter came to her and said, Representative Ferranich, here's your key to the bathroom. And poor me with myself had, I said, it's never been locked when I was down there. And I noticed the other two ladies looked at each other. I said, now something's not quite right about this. And I went home and I told my husband how, when I said I learned something today, I learned that there's a ladies' room for people that don't look like me that has a key. He said, did you tell the media? I said, no. Then he said, are you going to tell them or do I need to tell them? So I said, I called the station. And when I got back, the first the security person met me out front and said, Representative Clark, here's your key to the bathroom. I said, thank you, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't care for it. He said, Miss Clark, Representative Clark, the speaker asked me, told me to give you this key and make you get it. I said, darling, tell the speaker that I haven't had it all this time. I don't want it now. Next thing I knew, the speaker was calling for me to come upstairs to his office, went in his office, and he said, Representative Clark, I did not know that you did not have a key to the bathroom, but if you will not tell the media that you did not have a key, I promise you, I will set up a committee today to start on working on a women's bathroom, and I'll make you chairman of the committee. He said, can I get a promise from you that you won't tell anybody? I said, yes, sir, I promise. I won't tell anybody today because I told them last night. I remember another thing. I remember some of the bills and some of the things that I wanted to do that I thought were good as dears because my constituents wanted As long as I was the lead author, they didn't get out of committee. But if somebody else latched onto it, they would get out of the committee. But the real truth is to me is that it doesn't make any difference who's the lead author. You'd like to be the lead author because you know it's your idea. But if it gets out of committer and gets on onto the floor and gets passed and you do something for your people, you've done what you wanted to do by coming here. So that's, that's about it. What has it meant to you to be a part of that conversation whenever it comes to policies that would affect black women especially? 
That's that's been a lot because what I you might have seen the group of women who were here today, and I am a part of that group. And what I do is, it it feels makes me feel real good when they have come up with ideas, and that I'm able to present those ideas, and some of those ideas have are able to become uh, law. One of the largest legislation pieces w- that you've been able to pass especially most in most recent history, has been the lottery. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on that, uh, especially since it is after, the act has been named after you. Well, it only took 19 years, only 19 years. What happened was that I went to other states, and I saw how people, everybody was playing the lottery, and I started asking, what, what are you doing with your money? And they talked about how they were educating their students out of the lottery, Florida especially was one that I thought was really, really good because what they do is that from the lottery money, if you make good grades and you're ready to go to college or junior college, whatever it is, you get a scholarship out of the lottery. And that was what I was trying to do because I know that education is the way out. And if we could just, that's what I was trying to do is help people. Now, of course, uh, for years and years, it didn't get it didn't get it didn't get out of the committee because the, the speakers uh, wouldn't let would tell the chairman, as I understand it, they would tell me, "Well, chairman, I like this, I want this, but the, the speaker doesn't doesn't want it to come out of committee, and it wouldn't get out of committee, so it didn't get out of committee." But it has just been astounding, astounding at the. I hadn't. I even had no idea that it would have been making as much as it is. Have you seen how much it's making? It's, it's, it's fair to say it's been widely successful. It is. Yeah. What does that mean to you? That's what I got to get. I, I got to get somebody to sort of be like a peer, somebody to make help me make sure that education is getting the portion that it should. Now, it wasn't until the roads and bridges got so bad. That somebody said, you know, we ought to let this pass. Because it was known that the people of the state wanted that They had voted for the lottery some time ago. But we didn't have a, a, a governor who would sign the bill once we got it out. So it has done well. and But that's not the only bill I'd like to talk about. One of the bills that I'm real proud of is a bill called IB. Do you know anything about the IB program? I believe so. That's the International Baccalaureate program. That's where when you successfully complete it, you go to college as a sophomore. And I found out that they were doing that in some other states. And unfortunately, my husband was sick a lot of time. He used to watch CNN day and night. And he saw it. And then I started writing them and got all of the things from them that they were doing. And it's that beautiful. That uh, program is doing very, very well, and that's at Jim Hill, and that's one of my high schools. And they, they didn't want it passed, but then after it got passed and they saw all of the things that kids could do who successfully completed it, then they wanted it. But it's been very – and then another one that I was real proud of, um, drug courts. Drug courts, of course, as you know, is where you go pin people are sentenced to treatment instead of prison. And in my opinion, if we can put more people in drug court instead of prison, it's good for that individual, 
It's good for their family. It helps every, it helps everybody. What's kept you going uh, throughout these years, especially in a state that has been so adverse to African Americans and, and women? Well, I guess I came from a, a family of folks who thought that you just need to push and push and push. Well, what we do is that uh, push, pray until something happens. So you work and pray. And that's, that's, that's what's been keeping me going is that remember what Grandmama said, push, pray, and work. You push until something happens. Get involved in what's going on in your community and join the neighborhood association, work with your PTA, and then make sure whoever your legislator is, bring that message to this house and, and stick with it and stay with it until you get something done about it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.